Episode 43 of My Therapy with Justin Dickey is brought to you by Dickey's Meats. All right, mixing it up in this episode. We uh, haven't done this in a while. Haven't done this since the first time Luke and I get together. That would be episode 33, 31, somewhere. Yeah, earlier 31. Does it really matter? No, but, you know, I guess I thought about it, so now I have to be right <laughs> about it. I have to have the answer or else it's going to bother me. So I It's think, been a while. Was I think it was 31. 31. It was so, uh, October 13th, so it's actually been a couple of months since whew, we've done this. Yeah, that's a while. Uh, what, what we mean by this is that every episode since then has been an interview with a, uh, with a different uh, person related to mental health. And uh, it was Luke's idea to do a check-in. And mm-hmm. you know, obviously, we should probably be doing more of this just because the whole point of me starting this was to uh, talk about my own stuff. And uh, so – yeah, I guess it, we're due. Yeah, uh, but unlike a normal check-in, which I think it's good to, you know, have a check-in and release it as soon as you can. This one, uh, you're going to be listening to it on January 2nd, but we are recording this on December 12th. And there's kind of a reason for that. Partly because Justin is going home uh, for Christmas. Or has gone home for Christmas, I guess, if you're listening to it. And so that probably kind of back as you're listening pro- to this. Probably. So that kind of restricts our our ability to record when he's when he's out east and I'm still here in Hamilton. Um but also partly because uh I got some news to share with everybody, which if you follow me on Twitter, which if you're not, come on. Uh but Get with it. Yeah. At the Elvermere. <laughs> you probably you probably know already if you're following my, me on Twitter, but if you don't, uh, I'm going to be a father in June, at the end of June, to be precise. Congratulations, man. Thank you. It's uh, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I should start with that. It's amazing. It's incredible. I'm very excited. My wife is very excited, obviously. Um, but I kind of wanted to do this episode to talk about a bunch of different things, but that obviously being the primary one. Yeah, you dropped this on me a couple of weeks ago. You would say we got to do we got to do a uh, we got to do a checkup. We got to do a mm-hmm. checkup, and I thought you're talking about me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll get to it. But you kept saying it, and then you just kind of blurted out, uh, "We're having <laughs> a baby," and I was like, "Okay, this is about you." Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I was trying to. I th- so when I told you would have been the end of November, and. If anybody has, I'm sure people out there who listen, they know how pregnancy works and when you're supposed to tell people. You're supposed to wait till the end of the first trimester because that's when a lot of the risk goes down. And uh, that the first trimester ended on December 17th. So that was about three weeks. I told Justin about three weeks before the end of the first trimester. Uh, I hadn't planned on telling him quite that early, but I wanted to, I really wanted to do this check-in episode to talk about it. And so I was trying to be as insistent as I could to I do this thing. I got a kick out of it because at no point did I think that we weren't going to do one. But you were just like, this is what's happening. Yeah, it so. was because you were kind of like, well, you know, we could do it when we get back, when I get back. And I was trying to nail you down for a time and it just wasn't working. And I was like, you know what, this way, <laughs> if I just tell him, it'll it'll be so much easier. So, no, it wasn't great. Um, still, I, would it say it's my worst telling someone probably but not by much i'm really bad at telling people um my wife christine does that more so than i in fact 
I'm going to tell a funny story because she has told other people. Uh, I have a fairly large group of friends, one of which everybody here who listened to the podcast has met, Jess. And we were having a games night and Christine and I had decided this is when we were going to tell everybody. Uh, she said I should tell them. I was having just a whale of a time with trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. I could not find a good time. I just – I kept not doing it. And she was getting frustrated with me for why I wasn't telling them as the night went on. Hours went on and and one person actually left. And we actually had a little bit of an argument over that and before she realized – I'm super bad at telling people and it makes me incredibly nervous to try and do that. And so uh, then she told everybody and everything was great when she did it. Uh, but yeah, I'm super bad at this. And so blurting it out in a parking lot is is pretty par for the course. <laughs> <laughs> told another guy, did it, went out, a mutual friend, Matt Holmes, went out for a whole night dinner hockey you game. You didn't tell him? Not until I was driving him home. And then we, as we got closer to his house, I was like, it's not like, there's not going to be a natural point in the conversation. I literally just, so I have some news and he went, you're pregnant. And I was like, yes, this makes it so was much easier. Kidding? No, no, no. Uh, he knew, he knew, funny. but, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm super bad at it. And, uh, yeah, that's how I, I told Justin was I blurted it out in a parking lot, but now I'm telling everybody on a podcast. Although, should you have gotten me flowers or something? I'm I'm confused. Well, <laughs> how you thought uh, you should have done it? Up to that point, everything had been like not a gimmick, but like we told uh, her parents um, by. So I'll back up. Christine told me uh, when she found out I happened to be downstairs in our apartment building doing laundry. And so I came back up and she said, oh, I have this birthday present for you that I forgot because it was four days after my birthday. And she throws a sport check bag at me and I reached inside and I was like, this is a jersey, but it's really, really like it's it's not a Leafs jersey for me because it's not the right size. And I pulled it out and it was an infant Leafs jersey. And I thought, oh, that's cute. It's for when we get pregnant because we were trying at the time. <laughs> And then I turned around and she had the pregnancy test. Uh, so that was great. We decided to use the jersey to tell her parents. I went up in front of them and said, we have this jersey. Do you know anybody that it will fit? It went whoosh, right straight over her parents' head. They're like, no. Yeah. She was, <laughs> her mom went, I mean, I could buy it from you and, and give it to somebody. I could find a use for it. So we tried that gimmick way. With my parents, we had a little gift box that said choose wisely and inside were a bunch of name tags with all the different names for grandma and grandpa because we're my family's dutch um and her family's scottish so it was like grandma grandpa oma opa uh paka beppa which is frisian which is a province in the netherlands um nana papa and then that's how we told them and it was a fun little gimmicky with friends similar type stuff like it was gimmicks 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 and then when it came time for just me it was like well what you just like say it in conversation it just feels weird to <laughs> to do that so that's how it's resulted in in me just kind of blurting it out at people every single time and i still have a as of this recording i still have a couple people that i have to tell and i have just not any idea how to do it I I I've obviously never had a child yet, and uh, so I'm not really what you're saying is not really resonating. Because what I'm thinking is like, yeah, yeah, just say it. But you were saying 
you wanted to talk about that here because there's some stresses involved. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like I, it's, I want to stress that it's wonderful and I'm so excited. We were trying, this is not something that came out of nowhere. I mean, a little bit. We, every time you say it, it sounds like bragging and I, I want to say that it's not bragging. And there are a lot of people out there who struggle with, with getting pregnant. Um, it was a month of trying like it was it takes three months for the birth control to get out of the system and one month after that we were pregnant it was Mm. in that sense it was a bit of a shock but i had always assumed whenever we talked about it that we were going to get pregnant right away because that's how my my brain works and it was this the i don't remember the first day which is crazy because i had like a, a big party uh, where a bunch of people we went out and we did stuff um it was for my birthday not for not for this and it, the whole thing was a haze i i don't remember much of that day and it didn't fu- i didn't let it fully sink in until after the first ultrasound because we we went in for what we thought was going to be a dating ultrasound ended up being too early for that but i kind of closed myself off to it until i knew the baby was in the right place. Um, I've been told since then, like, don't look up stuff that could go wrong because it's all you'll possibly think mm-hmm. about. And I did. It's didn't. probably good to remain like kind of anything could go wrong for the first trimester. Mm-hmm. And and like I didn't look stuff up. I just knew what an ectopic pregnancy was. I think that's the correct term, where the the embryo doesn't implant in the womb it implants in the fallopian tubes and that's just there's nothing you can do about that that's uh unfortunately that's not not a pregnancy that can go anywhere and can be dangerous to the to the mother if if not uh dealt with and i for whatever reason i don't know how i knew about those but i knew what those were and so until we had the first ultrasound i didn't really let it sink in and then after that, it was just kind of a hits you like a freight train. Like I was gonna say, your life is over, but that's not true. Your life is just beginning. <laughs> but but it's the life that I knew is is over, right? It's the you know the it's, I want to say selfishness. Like you just kind of go and do whatever you want as you yeah. please. Like that's gonna be gone. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like um, I have a room in our apartment that is that. Christine calls my room. Um, I call it the spare room. It's where I play my video games and I have all my ridiculous um, collections of stuff. And, you know, that's going away. Not that I'm sad. I'm happy to give that up for a child. But it's it's little things like that that you think, oh, this is the last blank. You know, the New Year's this year. Uh, I'm going to just lean into the fact that we're recording this before this so new year's will have happened but we are hosting uh my friends and and then i didn't really think about it until christine just all of a sudden was like this is probably the last new year's we're gonna host i was like yeah you know i guess i guess so i guess i never really thought about that like it's not like this is the last time we're ever going to celebrate new year's with our friends but it's probably the last time that we would host it because we have a child yes and no i mean it almost i'd almost think it might be easier to host it if you have a child uh, not really though. Cause the kid, the kid has to come first. Right. And, and you can't really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, I mean, at that point they'll be six months ish old. 
um, God willing. But uh, I don't know how I don't know the trials and tribulations of a six month dealing with a six month old. But yeah, well, so I might be. I'm might gonna be a find bit out. <laughs> just put the child to bed, then you have the whole evening. So it probably doesn't find that easy. But it, it's it's little things like that, and and I it's not something that I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna miss my single my married life without a child. But you realize that you know this is a this is a life change that is not something that when when i got married it was a life change and for me that that meant moving in with somebody because we didn't live together before we were married and and that was a change but at the end of the day it was still like it was just my life but there was another person in it um and she is the focus as of my life but you know it didn't really change a whole lot it was just kind of, it just kind of morphed it a kid changes it a kid completely changes it and i can see that from friends of mine who have uh babies uh, two two couples that that we know have two month olds they were born a week apart and oh, wow. and so we we know you know that life completely changes for them once the kid comes but the the that so that is not so much a stressor in terms of the change, because it was always going to happen. I always knew that I wanted to have a kid and, and I always knew that eventually it would happen. I guess there was still a part of me that didn't believe it was going to happen. But now that it is, I'm, I'm set with that. It's more the mechan mechanical is not the word I'm looking for, but the practical, that's, that's the word, the practical aspects of having a child, a child is expensive. A child is a time sink. That's a bad way of putting it. I I don't know how to. I don't have a kid yet, but I don't, I don't know it's the a way. Time commitment. Time commitment. That. Sure. And and I think that was the those things was are the big stressors, uh, especially the financial thing. I I don't want to speak in specifics, but radio is not a lucrative industry. And it is certainly not lucrative what I do. And it's been fine for us as a married couple. I have a sugar mama. She's great. Uh, but <laughs> it's not it, – It's it was this sudden realization of like, oh, I – this is not – I'm not going to say this is not going to work, but it would make things really difficult to – it or things are going to be really difficult. And – so that was a thing that just hit like a truck. And the time thing. We sat down and started discussing um, things like daycare once the kid is born. Because we've decided to take the year mat leave and that could change. Um, but the year-long mat leave is great. But once the kid turns one and Christine has to go back to work, you have to figure something out. And that was something that kind of, I don't know, it didn't really occur to me when we were just talking in general terms about about having a baby. And a one-year-old is obviously not a newborn, but it's not that far removed from a newborn. Mm. And so it's, yeah, something I didn't really think about. <laughs> like the idea of like putting it in someone else's hands every day? I. Yes, but also not having any time. I think when it's a 
one of the things right now is I work at my, my work starts at noon. Uh, Christine starts at eight thirty, So I have three and a half hours after she leaves for work. That is just me time. And there are times where I go without it and it's stressful at work and it really, um, really gets to me because not because I need time away from my wife or I need time away from people, just that I just rely on that time. And, the idea that once the kids hear that time is just gone, period, is kind of something that stresses me out because I don't know how to handle that. And when I and and further to that, when I don't sleep well, which happens sometimes, occasionally, I have to work the morning shift here at at the radio station, which starts at five a.m. I t- <laughs> it's not good. It's not good mentally for me. I, the last time I did it, I remember Christine saying, um, there was a, there was a day off that I had in the middle of it. So I, I worked the morning shift for two weeks and I had to work the Saturday in there. So the Sunday that I had off was the only day I had to sleep in. And Christine said, I'm just said something to the effect of, I'm just enjoying that year back on that one day. And it really, I don't know. That really stuck with me as like, yeah, I, this, this really, really gets to me and really changes the way I am as a person when I have to work these shifts. And then in the context of there's a child on the way, did that kind of bother you? Um, no, it was more that it scared me that when she said that, I was like, you know, I'm not going to be, I don't work morning shifts all the time. I'm not going to be doing it forever, but when the kid comes, it'll be sort of like I'm doing morning shifts all the time, right? You know, for the first however long it takes for the baby to start sleeping through the night, it's – you just don't sleep. Uh, you know, people joke about that, but – and you do still sleep, but there's – you know, it's not – you can't sleep for seven straight hours when you have a newborn. You just can't. And so that's what – that was something that really stuck with me, that it scared me, that I can't be myself when I work a morning shift. How am I going to do this for X amount of months uh, straight once the kid comes? Because, you know, I don't like me <laughs> then because it's not uh, it's not good. I'm not like – I'm not um, cruel or I don't want to say abusive. Like it's – I'm not that not that I'm just withdrawn and and not really interested in people not present. Yeah, I'm not present yeah. during those periods. I I don't want to say I understand what you're saying because I'm not in the situation, but uh Caitlin and I for a long time had a a goal of when we were going to have children. And it was, you know, by the time we're 30, we think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into by the time Caitlin's 30, because I'm a year older. And then that came. And then I had my kind of mental breakdown. And so putting a date and time on it has gone out the window for us. Sure. Because... I'm not where I think I need to be to be a father. And 
I don't want to speak for Caitlin, but I think that she doesn't think she's where she needs to be to be a mother. Mm-hmm. Part in part because she's deal with me, mm-hmm. and I'm not where I need to be. So I kind of understand, you know, what you mean when when you talk about, you know, I have a I get in a bad mood when I don't get enough sleep. Well, I. You know, I'm up and down all the time and I'm like, if I'm not, if I'm not straight and at my best, I don't want to, I don't think it's a responsible decision for me to make that choice to have a child when I'm not all there. Mm-hmm. And not saying that I'm all, not all there. Like, I think generally speaking, I'm doing quite well, but I just I just don't think that I'm to the point where I should be a father yet. Yeah, you want it to be where you feel good about it. Yeah, and I I mean I'm I'm close to that. There's some other there's some other factors that you know kind of need to fall into place that would kind of external factors that will get me there. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, like I'm just not quite there. So mm-hmm. um, I underst- kind of understand where you're coming from on that. But I I mean. I don't want to be flippant, but kind of what everybody else has probably said to you is you're going to figure it out. Yeah. It's going to be all right. Yeah. And listen, (laughs) I do feel ready to be a father. We wouldn't have gone through this process. And we talked about it a lot at length. Christine always said, if you want out, like if you want to move it down the road, you absolutely can. And, And if I had felt that strongly, I would have. I just, it's, it's something that is going to never be completely unscary it's always going to be a little bit i think there's a certain level of anxiety that will always come with it for everybody right and so i i don't feel like it's a it's at a crippling point where i can't do it Mm -hmm. but there are times where i feel like i can't have a family with the situation the work situation that i do have and that's what scares me that's what caused me i don't remember when it was um i don't know i think it was in the time before we started really telling people that was just kind of where i was at my most freaking out and it had nothing to do with having the kid or being not being a good father or it it had everything to do with i felt like i couldn't i couldn't bring a kid in with the job situation that I had, but I couldn't leave the job situation that I had because I felt unemployable to other people. And that's something that I haven't said on this podcast, but that's something that Justin and I have spoken about um, uh, in private. And, and that was a really, really tough point because you feel stuck completely mm-hmm stuck like there's nothing i have to leave but i can't leave and that was probably the lowest point and when i thought you know we have to have this podcast so i can just vocalize it and verbalize it and talk Mm -hmm. about it and i'm not quite at that point anymore but it still is something that weighs on me quite a bit i mean i remember saying one time because there was there was a time um 
I'll make the point of saying it because I want to sell the, the organization's reputation as much as possible. When I worked for the Hamilton Bulldogs, I had a colleague and basically made minimum wage. And I was like, straight up, how? Like, how do you choose to do this? I was like, if push came to shove and I was going to have a child, I'm out. I'm like, I don't get paid enough here. Uh, I need, I could... I can go get a job tomorrow that pays me more than this. So I'm doing this for the love of it. I'm doing it for the passion I have for it. I'm not doing it for the money, obviously. But if I had to make a, a responsible decision because I have a child on the way and I have, I have you know parental responsibilities, I'm going to change it. So it kind of – I just I remember actually having that conversation with someone and – I've often wondered this, that that might've been overheard by some people and that's why I don't work there anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, uh, it's tough because this is all I ever wanted to do when I was in school. Yeah. I took my first radio class cause I went to journalism school and my first radio class was uh, second year. I think maybe it was you always first wanted year. to work in radio or you always wanted to be a journalist. So <laughs> I didn't always want to be a journalist. Even I did a year of multimedia design and production at Fanshawe College. Hated it, but made a few good friends and one in particular who, at the time I was writing a sports blog for the Sporting News. They used to have a sports blog, a, a complete blog website. And I just did it because I loved sports and I wanted to express that. And so when I knew Fanshawe wasn't for me, I had a friend who was at Humber for multimedia design or no, that was my program for film and television production and he loved it and so i wanted to do that so i applied to that i applied to uh, what is essentially a catch-all uh, program it's like if you don't get into the media programs you go into this for a year and then you're basically guaranteed as long as you don't completely screw it up to get into the media program the next year and you could apply to three programs at a college so i was like i should apply to a third one because i want to go to humber and this friend at Fanshawe, I was just telling him about this whole process. We were talking about it. And he said, well, you're really good at blogging. Why don't you apply to journalism? And I was like, well, I never really thought about that. And then I did. And I got in. And I got in before I got into film and television. I got mm -hmm. into journalism first and had a little bit of a uh, what do I do moment. Uh, funny enough, went to the blog, <laughs> went on to that blog. There was a great community at the time. I posted. I got into, you know, I got into the the journalism program. I'm still waiting on film and television production. What should I do, guys? And they were like, listen, you're not like an expert writer, but you got something and you should do it. So I, that's how I got into journalism. Long story short was these faceless, nameless people on this blog hmm. who uh, I couldn't even give you their username because the the website is gone. They they eventually tipped me over the edge, and Dan, who I met at Fanshawe, uh, was the the one who ultimately pushed me or who who showed me that I should apply for journalism school. When I got to journalism school, I just knew sports, love sports. Then I took a radio class, and I was like, "This is this is it. This is for me." Once I had done newspaper stuff, it was fine. I didn't love it. Um, Television, I quickly realized I am too tall for television. 
Let's not like not talking about my attractiveness level or anything, because let's be honest, it does take there. There are people that you look at that even when we were in school, we looked at and we're like, yeah, you got it. You got what it takes to be on TV. Regardless of if I had that, I'm too tall. I have this wonderful video footage from the Grey Cup festivities in 2012 of me interviewing Pinball Clemens, huh. former well, running he's back. Too short, so. He's a very, very short man. And the footage is of him staring almost straight up. And that is, in a nutshell, why I can't, why I couldn't be on television. Luke six six. If you're yes. not paying attention or you don't know, uh, I guess that's never actually come up. Yeah, I'm yeah. six foot six, uh, and so radio was just that was it for me. That's what I wanted to do. I I loved it. I felt like I was good at it. I'm not going to go back and listen to my stuff I did in college because I probably wasn't good at it. But I had a I had a teacher. I was such a slacker in school, and this radio class, I just, I didn't get my assignments in on time. And I think I was going to fail the class and she passed me and I never got an explanation as to why. I just knew that I probably shouldn't have passed the class and she passed me. I, she liked me. So it wasn't a, just get him out of my class. <laughs> I don't want to have him back. I like, she was one of my favorite teachers. So I've always seen that as she thought I had it. Whatever it was, she thought I had it. And you were good enough to not fail. Yeah. And yeah. so she decided that, you know, it's better for him to move on than for him to be held back because he can't get his shit together and, mm -hmm. and, and stop being a slacker. And so I, that's, I applied to CHML and I got in, uh, as a overnight weekend radio operator working midnight to 8 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. Was there somebody actually in at that time? No, but we have somebody sitting in the chair 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I didn't actually know that. Yeah. So that's what I was doing at the start. Uh, things kept moving. I kept moving up shifts. Eventually, I ended up doing things on air. How I met Justin was I started covering the Hamilton Bulldogs. I was – at that point, I was actually covering them for a website, but I was still doing stuff on the radio. I was doing intermission interviews. And that was – the greatest the greatest time i met my wife at that point during when i was covering the bulldogs not through the bulldogs but that is that was the time i was covering hockey i was getting paid for it not much but i was getting paid <laughs> i was getting paid to watch hockey it was the greatest thing in the world and then it all went away and it wasn't my fault and it was really really hard to take and to justify, I think if I, I've said it before to other people, I would have probably left radio if I had lost the Bulldog stuff. And at the time I was also doing McMaster Marauders, uh, the university team, the football on the sidelines. If I'd lost that stuff because I wasn't good enough, I probably would have just left radio. Been like, yeah, I don't have it. I don't have it. But they were taken away from me. Not uh, I realize this sounds like CHML took them away from me. That's not what happened. The Bulldogs and Marauders both left our radio station. They decided to go to a different radio station in town uh, instead of sticking with us. And because of that, I lost them. I lost the thing that I loved so much. And because I didn't, it wasn't my fault, I just clung to this hope that they'll come back. And every time I felt like I was ready to go, there would be something else. Um, some glimmer that they're coming back. Because 
and and it was never a like pie in the sky it was always a very concrete like there's a good reason why you think they'll come back and they still haven't come back by the way but i as i sit here today in august i got one of those concrete the opportunities will come back and they didn't but it very much was like well maybe next year maybe next year they'll come back mm-hmm. and and it just kept going like that and so the my love of radio is what's kept me in despite the fact that i haven't done anything on air of any consequence since um consistently at least since uh that would be the 15 16 nhl season or mm-hmm. ohl season that was yeah i signed off i signed off the last post game show of the year and said we'll see you next year and that was that was the last thing hmm. that i that i've done we did the we did one football game uh, the university championship uh last year which was fun but i've always clung on to that like it'll come back i'll get to keep doing it it wasn't that i wasn't good enough hmm. i am good enough they put me on they w- they would have kept me on you know they put this untested kid on the air hosting the post game show and i did all I did 61 of the how many games they play. I did all but one of the post game shows that season. Like this is, it's not me. I'm good enough. I, I I'm good enough. I can do this. And I clung to that for man, 15, 16. That's two, two plus years now. Uh, well, or two, three, two ish years. Yeah. And <laughs> I, and uh, the kid kind of was this like, now you really have to go and and you can't keep clinging to this this idea that that it'll come back and things will get better because that just things in that in that um instance things me thinking things would get better was from a opportunity standpoint probably not from a money standpoint and that was kind of the and that was something that that Christine and I have talked about a lot that like when we when we first started dating I, it was in the middle of the OHL season and when i said when i told her the next summer that you know they've left they're not coming back to chml there was an initial she was helping me through it and comforting me and and then i think a week later she said you know i think you're in a good enough place that i can tell you this but i'm actually kind of happy that they're gone because i get to see you (laughs) because i would i would work every saturday every sunday and most fridays because that's what the ohl is they play they play all the weekends and so i think every time i would get this feeling that they're coming back and the opportunities are coming back she would be secretly happy when they didn't because it would be a strain it absolutely would be a strain and and even if those opportunities were to come back tomorrow i don't know that it's a a good thing because with a kid on the way you know what am i supposed to do say i'm disappearing for three four hours every saturday and sunday to to go do this thing that i love that we don't get paid very much money for Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of it's been a struggle because you know no longer the things keeping me here are good enough reason to keep me here but as i said i also feel like i can't leave sometimes and uh and yeah, that's the that's the biggest stress, without a doubt, of mm-hmm. having the kid. Not the kid. It's it's work. Work is a huge stress. Yeah, and that's a that's an interesting. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, 
and again, congratulations. Thank it's, you. It's, it's a big, it's a big opportunity, and you know, it's a, it's a goal that you had in mind. And even if there is anxiety with it, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, you're going to do great things, and it'll. Again, don't want to sound flippant, but it'll work out. Yeah, like, it, yeah, you absolutely. Will, you will make it happen. I have all the faith in the world in you that, that you will make it happen. And we have a wonderful support system. We really do. We know that um, if it came down to it, we wouldn't want for – we wouldn't struggle. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Like we if, – if daycare wasn't something we could do, we have families that love us and would absolutely step up and help us. Um, but it still is, you know, it doesn't change, change that it's stressful. And the family, uh, in, in the area is huge. Yes. Uh, something that Caitlin and I have, uh, pondered for a while now on whether we try to do this on our own out here, start a family, or if we just say we're going home and we'll have our resources at home. Uh, Daycare is a massive expense, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we're we're kind of like we have pretty good jobs, but uh, it, even still, like we pay a ton of money per month for our house because uh, because living expenses in Ontario are ridiculous. Yep, yeah, <laughs> so, Southern uh, Ontario especially. Yeah, it's a strain, and yeah, it's a. I mean, I don't want to sit here and and whine about all this stuff because. We, you know, we have it pretty good compared to some other people, but, um, anyway, yeah, it's just, a. you never know what's right. And I think mm-hmm. more and more all the time that you just kind of got to dive into it. Yeah. So, you know, uh, anyway, it's funny that you, you, uh, you know, stressed work so much because, uh, work for years has been you know, separate from the, you know, starting a family conversation. Well, it's kind of separate. It's always been a stress. Mm-hmm. I moved out here for the opportunity with the Bulldogs. Um, that didn't go as planned. Um, came out here for very little money and a lot of work. Uh, landed on my feet with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. But... I I got to a point where well my mental health wasn't good that was first and foremost and if I had of had that conversation with my with my boss at the time he was director of media relations for the Toronto Raptors uh, and he's a wonderful human being if I had had that conversation with him and said I I'm having trouble and I need some help and I just need some relief that he would have made that happen I have no mm-hmm. doubt in my mind about it I made a bad decision under poor circumstances and poor mental health. And I said this to someone in a job interview the other day that if, uh, if I had had that conversation, I'd probably still be working there. Mm-hmm. But I made the decision kind of similar to what I said about that person, the Bulldogs, that if I was having a child, the child's on the way, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to make more money because I have to do the responsible thing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I did. I was kind of trying to set us up for that next stage of our of our lives and went to a marketing agency and worked uh, basically in internal communications. Uh, we operated cell phone stores for Rogers and Telus. And uh, I did that and it was great at first. Uh, hours were, late, were way less. I made way more money. 
um, it was good. And then it just, there was something, something wasn't right. And then I started to ponder like, why am I in Ontario? Mm-hmm. Why, why are we doing things this way? I could, I could do this job at home. So it turned into a, what's the point? And that really, that really deteriorated my mental health. And then, uh, went on sick leave as we've talked about on this podcast. If you're not familiar with it, go back and listen to the earlier episodes. I'm not going to dwell on it. Anyways, then there was the unique situation where, uh, my friend and your acquaintance, Spencer Sharkey, left the town with the Tiger Cats and went for uh, greater opportunity with uh, Hockey Canada. And then there was an opportunity at the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And uh, I had worked with uh, the director of communications there at the Bulldogs, and we are – we get along great. And, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. Yeah. And uh, there's an opportunity to go work for him. And it was kind of a similar situation to the Bulldogs in that it wasn't a lot of money. It was more money than the Bulldogs, and we'll make that very clear. But uh, it wasn't like where I'd been. But it was the opportunity, and it was such a unique opportunity in that he understood my situation. There was no gray area. We knew where we stood with each other on everything. And there was a comfort level. And that was just such a blessing in that time when I needed a a safe place to land, Mm -hmm. a soft place to land. So, and then that was just, it was perfect. And that wasn't without my own missteps. I, I ended up back in the hospital again, the end of August, first September and had a, a bit of a relapse, but that wasn't the job. That was just, actually, I think it was me going off a certain drug and then subsequently off the rails, mm-hmm. but that's been all squared away and I'm, I'm in a much better place. And I, that job you know, say what you will about the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, it was such, it was the perfect opportunity for me at the perfect time. And that leads me to now where my contract is ended. And that's where my stress begins. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a theme in my life where it just always seems to be about my job. And just looking for the right opportunity. And uh, it's been stressful for a while. Where it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do next, and I don't want to be unemployed, and uh, there's going to be a strain financially. And uh, it's just been a real weird... And as I I'm, I expect by the time this airs, all of this that I'm about to talk about will be ironed out. Mm-hmm. But in the last few days, it's been a, a whirlwind and bizarre. It's been unlike anything I've ever experienced. And, but... um it's still stressful and I've had, I don't know, a hundred job interviews in the last few years. This is probably not that many, but it's a lot. And I, whenever I see, I, I frequently end up being the runner up mm-hmm. and I, it's a unique set of circumstances where I always tell Caitlin and I always tell like my dad and my mom, I always seem to get rejected in a different way. And it's always, in its own cruel and unusual way. And it just seems like it's the, like the universe just trying to fuck with me or something. Like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, for instance, I applied for a job a week or two ago. They called me the next day on a, on a Thursday. 
No, it was on a Friday. I applied on a Thursday night. They called me Friday morning and said, we want to interview you on Tuesday morning. Great. Emails me on Monday morning and say, we hired someone. Thanks. Yeah, that's a uh, kick in the nuts. Okay. Like, <laughs> I, and honestly, I've been rejected in so many different ways. Yeah, I just kind I mean, of laughed at it. It's not like there's a lot invested in it, right? Because it's just an interview. Fair but enough, it's still, yeah, yeah like that. <laughs> like, what? You found somebody so much better than me on yeah, the weekend yeah. when you aren't working? Like, yeah. And then there's another, like, Caitlin was like, whose nephew is that type of thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it feels like, right? Yeah. So, and then there's another one. Uh, it was a opportunity that was kind of, I don't want to say beneath me, but, like, I was overqualified probably mm-hmm. for the role. Uh, they called me, said, hey, we want to set up a phone interview. Or they emailed me, want to set up a phone interview. Yeah, sure. Uh, can't do that time, though. Can you do this time? Then they said, I gave them, like, a window of, like, a wide open window of times I could do this. And they reply, like, can you do it this time? I was like, it was like an hour after my window closed. Yeah. And I gave them like a, a huge window. And I was like, no, I can do it at this time. And then that turned into, they didn't reply until a week later. And they said, we hired someone internally, <laughs> but we have another opportunity. It's basically the manager for that position. Would you be interested in that one? I said, we have course that makes sense. Clearly you, like, you thought something of me and you wanted you sure. thought I was more qualified and that maybe I should be – that would be more appropriate. I didn't get an interview for it. it like, it's just these weird circumstances. I really want to name these organizations, but I probably yeah. shouldn't. No, you should not. Oh, well. <laughs> well, it's not like I'm ever going to work there now. Like, still, I, get a, I, get a ta- <laughs> I get a taste of what they're like and I you know. Like, yeah. That's another thing. With something I worked out in therapy was that when these situations happen – like stop thinking that it's you because yeah, you are a common denominator. That's my thing. As I get down on myself, I'm a common denominator. Clearly it's about me. Mm-hmm. I'm doing something wrong, but you know, you look at those circumstances and these people did shitty things. And he's like, it says more about them than it does you. Mm-hmm. And like, it just what blows my mind at this point is that there's a lot of shitty people out there. Because yeah. it seems to happen in all these different ways, and I just wouldn't treat people like that. Yeah. I would be straightforward. Um, I had an interview. I've had a couple of different scenarios where, like, people were genuine, like, I was close to, mm-hmm. an, to getting the job, a runner-up, once again. And they don't even, like, they don't even call me back and tell me I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? Yeah. You know, it's just, and that's something that's really messed with the mental health yeah. in recent years is that. There's a lot of people out there that just don't treat you the way that you should be treated. And I try to, I try to live the right way. And when people don't reciprocate it, it hurts. Yeah. I mean, I listen, I totally get that. I, um, in one particular point where I was so sure I was going to leave, I, I took a couple interviews, uh, and, and applied for a bunch of jobs that by the way, is a giant, um, kick in the nuts is applying to a lot of jobs and never hearing back from them but it's one thing to not hear back after you apply but what really pisses me off is the you go through the process you commit to the you commit to a certain time commitment or you have to do an assignment for them or something that's usually the case in the communications jobs that i apply mm-hmm. for i have to do work for them and then to get ghosted yeah. that really pisses me off yeah yeah i think what what's hard for me is that it feel you feel worthless when nobody will fair enough will yeah. get back to you but the one that really hit the hardest and actually like 
stopped me from applying for jobs, even though I didn't feel good about where I was at work, but just stopped me from looking was I applied for this job. Um, that seemed great PR something or other and heard back from them like the next day, which should have been a clue that this was a, a hinky situation. I don't remember the name of the company. Trust me. If I did, I would say it because I have zero problem putting these people on blast. <laughs> I went in for the interview and it was a multi-level marketing scheme. 120%. It was a pyramid scheme. Uh, like they said, they would send people out to sell stuff to businesses and you only made money based on how much you sold and they, you would work your way up higher and then you'd have your own team of people and you'd make a percentage of what they made and so on and so on and so on. I wrote down on my notepad in that interview, definitely MLM. So I'm way overqualified to work in this place. They'll literally hire anybody, right? It doesn't matter. The point is they get people – any – are you breathing? Cool. You can work here. I didn't get an offer. <laughs> <laughs> For that job. And maybe they knew that you were on of them. They need maybe. stupid people. And 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 listen, that's more than likely that was it. Also, I came in with a journalism background and I'm pretty confident a company like that would not like any sort of Fair enough. F- sort of um spotlight on their mm-hmm. practices. But it was still that sucked so like that hurt so bad because of like I was sitting there like of course I was gonna turn them down. But like I didn't even get the just the principle of it. Like you yeah. don't think I'm good enough. Yeah, yeah like yeah, you, you, you don't think I'm good enough. This job where <laughs> if you have a pulse, you're hired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't think I'm good enough. Like it was that one felt really bad. And mm-hmm. I want to be clear here: I'm not in the business of bad mouthing people I have bad interviews with, or that I just have a huge huge problem with any kind of multi-level marketing or pyramid schemes because they prey on people who are desperate and that's exactly what that was and that's why i am perfectly fine with with it with putting them on blast Mm -hmm. i just want to make that clear because everything you put out there somebody could be listening who's a future employer um or anything like that. Just to just oh. to anybody. I want to I want to make it perfectly clear. I don't like to badmouth people even when I have sure. bad experiences. I don't begrudge anybody who does because trust me, I know how your situation went uh with the bulldogs and and I don't begrudge you at all for for yeah. for how you well, you speak about it. But that 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 was just such a terrible experience that I, I you know, but it, it it still was a kick to the confidence. A giant kick to the confidence. In terms of like uh, you know, talking smack. Uh, the way I look at it now, especially with like putting everything out there about myself in terms of my mental health, is that I'm going to speak openly. And if some, if there's an employer out there that I'm interested in and they don't align with my standards and my morals and my, and my beliefs and mm-hmm. my core values, they can not hire me, and they're sure. just—they're um, helping me dodge a bullet, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So. Yeah, I get that, but you know, that's that—that's honestly, that's the most that I struggle with is when it comes to work, and I like to pretend that everything would be great if only I had the perfect job, but that's not realistic, yeah. and I know that's not realistic deep down, but you know, it's it's something that hits you harder at uh, at Christmas time, especially around here. 
Uh, I do think this is a great employer, CHML, and and I love my coworkers and my boss. Um, but it really sucks around Christmas. And last year, I felt like there was an opportunity, uh, and it didn't pan out. And these things happen. But right before the Christmas season, and it hit me really hard because I thought I was going to be out of here for Christmas. Hmm. And when I say Christmas is hard, radio never sleeps. So somebody's got to be sitting in that chair for 24 hours, seven days a week, 365. And that means that you have to work during the holidays. And in my case, I am one, I am the most senior at my position. So that affords me a few luxuries like uh, you have to choose. You don't have to work Christmas Day. No, and we have, to, and that's the thing. We have to choose as as operators. We have to choose every year. You got to work one Christmas or New Year's. What do you want? And the luxury of being the most senior is that I always get to work New Year's Day because I don't care about working New Year's Day. Uh, You're also not going to be hungover. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't I don't actually drink, so that 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 means I won't be hungover. But because I don't care, it allows me the most senior means I can say New Year's, and I know. I'm working New Year's. I haven't worked Christmas. I think I worked the first Christmas I was here, and that's the only the only one I did. First being lucky and then now being the most senior. But, you know, I have to work on Boxing Day. I have to work on New Year's Day. I have to work on New Year's Eve, which, listen, a lot of people do if it's a weekday. Um, but also there are a lot of employers out there that give that week between Christmas and New Year's off. Yeah, My wife gets that week off. She actually is going to get a week and a half off this year due to the way that they fall. But that's tough that is so tough around christmas time when your friends are all off and on vacation and you have to go to work is it hard work no because we don't have talk shows during that time so it's 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 really as laid back as it can possibly be at the station but you're still at work and that is very difficult and it was really hard last year because i really felt Mm -hmm. like the opportunity was the right one and like i said it didn't work out and that happens and you know, I know there are good reasons why it didn't work out, but it still was a hit to the the self esteem, and yeah. that's that's something that uh, that always affects me the most. Job search. Sorry. No, no, that's it. That's where okay. I was finished. Jo- the job search is probably the mo the worst thing for somebody's ego because mm-hmm. I think everybody goes through the same thing. Most people go through the same thing where you apply for 15 jobs and get one interview or two interviews or whatever. And you wonder why you weren't in the, sure. why you didn't make the cut on the other ones. And like for me, all I want is to find an opportunity where somebody believes in me. Mm-hmm. Like it's all I want. And that's what I appreciated so much about working with Aaron and at the Tiger Cats was because literally no one besides maybe Caitlin believes in me like Aaron Gogashvili believes in me. And uh, that that really means something to me. So that's really all I'm looking for. And it's really frustrating when like, yeah. years go by and you're like, yeah, nobody believes in me. And mm-hmm. like, am I not good enough? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Which made – so what I was going to talk about was the past week. And this is – like I said, this will all be sorted out by the time you're listening to this. But it's been a weird week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so – one, the Tiger Cats wanted to bring me on permanently. Two, uh, there's another uh, sports organization 
that's interested in in hiring me. Uh, and then I've got a, I had a recruiter reach out to me. So this is all new territory. Yeah. Uh, I had this uh, interview with the sports organization on earlier in the week, and I had told them I actually have an offer. And at that time, I actually had two offers. But I told them I had an offer, and they were like trying to sell me and everything. And the last thing the guy said was, you'll have more fun working here. So like, it seemed pretty <laughs> clear to me that like I, I'm their guy. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but like it seems like I'm their guy. And then there's this uh, recruiter reached out to me, and then there was a, was a, a job back home potentially as well. So this is all happening in recent days, and I'm just like, what is going on? Like all mm-hmm. of a sudden, I'm a hot commodity, and it all happened as soon as my contract ended. Yeah, and like nobody knows that. Sure, like it's just it's a bizarre timing thing, and I'm gonna say this, and I'm I'm just hoping everything's gonna work out. Was that my contract ended this past Friday with the Hamilton Tiger Cats? Thursday night, I got an email from somebody that I uh, had a bit of an acquaintance with and previously interviewed with at Canadian Mental Health Association Ontario. Mm-hmm. Said, Don't know what your work situation is right now, but we might have an opportunity for you. So I was like, yeah, let's talk. So he said, like, I'll call you on on Friday. Friday was the last day at the Tiger Cats. I left work at 2.30. I'm still talking to Aaron about, you know, what are we going to try to do here? Mm-hmm. Is this still going to work out? Anyway, I left there at 2.30. I'm officially done. Had the conversation with with the guy at CMHA at 3 o'clock. I had a job offer in the next 20 minutes. So that was, I was like, bizarre. And like, I've been wanting to work there for years now yeah, you've like, spoken about it a that few is, times that's on the an, like that's an incredible opportunity so uh there's been a hiccup so i'm not sure like i'm 99 percent sure that as you're listening to this i actually work there <laughs> but uh if i don't then in a subsequent episode you'll know about it yes <laughs> um, so i just i'm hesitant to say it but uh, yeah, so hoping we're going to sort that out this week and I'm going to be working there. But if not, it's just been a really bizarre week with yeah. all these other opportunities going on too. Sounds and like I'm like, it. when did everybody decide that I'm the person they should hire? <laughs> like, what is happening? I'm in such so, high demand all of a sudden. Yeah, it's weird. And like, like Aaron, <laughs> I felt bad for Aaron because he like basically he did everything he could to yeah. actually put together a decent package for me. Tiger Cats. And unfortunately, it just, like the, the CMHA thing is just too good. Sure. Yeah, of um, course. And then like the other the other things I have going on are pretty like the other opportunities that I'm in the mix on are pretty cool too, but like the CMHA is just it's too good to pass up. That's what you and wanted I, to do. That's why I just hope it works out. And I'm like and maybe it's it's might it's not as much money as one of the other opportunities is, but that's for me, it's not about the money and speaking with my therapist over the past year um, I've seen him recently, but what we went through as I was off work a lot was about core beliefs and core values. And one of my biggest core values is helping other people. And clearly this whole mental health thing is important to me. So like, that's like, that's just top of the list with a bullet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And now that I'm saying this, I'm really nervous that it's all, all going to fall apart, <laughs> but let's, uh, let's just hope it doesn't. No, that's. 
honestly that's amazing yeah uh i get it you know i just i know i talked earlier in this episode about money being a giant concern but i didn't get into journalism because i wanted to make a lot of money i got into it because i loved it and the yes the dollar value is tough now and a stressor but the stability is more the issue right now without getting into specifics about what my job situation is stability is the hardest thing and so i totally get taking less money to go do something that you love because if i was if i had two offers on the table that both had the same amount of stability and the money was less in the one that i wanted to do more i'd still do the one i wanted to do more yeah and i went went back and forth this with caitlin and i'm like my head's telling me that I need to be practical and go with the job that pays more money. But like and the other thing is that the money's not that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like twenty grand difference or anything like that. But it it's enough to be like, yeah, I kinda yeah, one's like it's kind of on a trial basis with CMHA too. Like sure. it's it's a contract that is expected to lead to something, but there's no guarantee. Uh, whereas there's another opportunity that's permanent. Well, in the Ticats one would have been permanent as well. Of course. But, yeah, it's – I like to uh, – I love uh, Fred Van Vliet's uh, motto is bet on yourself. Did you ever – did you see uh, – before we wrap here, uh, I love Fred Van Vliet. He tweeted he's when – He's a current player for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Uh, I think he played for – 905? He didn't when I was there. It was the year okay. after. Okay. But uh, he tweeted when he signed his first contract with the Toronto Raptors, bet on yourself. And then this past off season, he signed a two-year, $18 million contract. He quoted that tweet and said in all caps, bet on yourself. And I was yeah. like, I love it. And that's kind of yeah. what I'm trying to – if this all comes together, it all could come crashing down horribly. But Of course. But um, that's not – you can't think about that. No. Uh, just uh, – I have a really good feeling about it, and uh, you got to bet in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. At some point, so. So yeah, that was a news-filled podcast. Less of a check-in, more of a. <laughs> Just a, yeah, like I like doing this stuff though. Like, yeah, we should do it. We should probably do it with some frequency instead of you just a so? hey, oh shit, I got pregnant. We should talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> You're probably right. We just we've had so many great guests, and we were so excited, both of us, to to get all these different guests on. And... Yeah, actually, I went a little guest crazy. It was just like we should get this person, we should get this this person, and I'm thinking I'm gonna run out of steam at some point with all these guests. So I think so, but like we still got we, we we talked at the start of this, and we had like a list of people, and there are still people on there we haven't even yep. tried to contact yet. Yeah. Fair that enough. that feel like reasonable guests. I don't I, I don't want to like put it out there like oh we've got these dream guests. We just haven't contacted them because we haven't needed yeah. to. And after this podcast, we're gonna have uh, Dave Kilgannon from CMHA Halt, and he's a peer support yeah. worker. Just trying to get in a different area. So we got a peer support worker. We're gonna have Lynn Keen, who's a TED Talk presenter, uh, who's had her own personal experience uh, with her uh, son dying by suicide. And then we have uh, we'll have. Uh, Georgia Ede, who is a uh, nutritionist and psychiatrist who actually specializes in keto. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that I forgot to add was that I hit the milestone of 70 pounds lost on keto. Congratulations! That's in less than a calendar year and still going strong. So uh, I love it. Haven't cheated once. And uh, I recommend that to everybody. Just try keto. It's yeah. my thing. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of 
exciting. And I mean, yeah, we're kind of branch. I don't want to say branching out, but like we had my friend Jess, who was more of an identity. That's yeah, there's some unique about. ones with Jess and then uh, Michael Boyer. Michael, was both cool episodes too. with Michael were very much yeah. unique, but I don't think any less important. And and even within episodes, when we talked to Aaron Snow, um, there was a point in the middle where we kind of diverged and and we're talking about the treatment of of young players in in major junior hockey which by the way became way more relevant after we put that out uh i don't think anybody could have seen coming the uh the hazing scandals that started coming out of junior hockey um but you know it was it was a diversion that we didn't see coming and i remember afterwards we were talking about it like you know was this was it relevant you know we were mental health podcast but you know, we're a mental health podcast that that just wants to talk to interesting people. Yeah, and I think I forget now, and I'm not going to back go back and listen to the early episodes because I know they're terrible. But uh, I'm certain I said in the first or second episode that I was just going to have like regular conversations that were like mm-hmm. not mental health related. I haven't actually done that, <laughs> so uh, could probably get to that at some point too. Yeah. But, you know, we got some exciting people that we hope will come on the podcast with us. We got some exciting people that are actually lined up. And if there's anybody you want us to talk to, just tell us. Yep. And uh, and it doesn't have to be specifically mental health related. No. It can be mental health adjacent. Yeah. We spent we spent most of the episode with Julie, Julie Trites, that you've already heard, talking about <laughs> podcasts. Well, we did go into mental health. We did. No, we talked a half hour. We, we lost. Yeah, well... <laughs> That's another story. But, you know, we we just – we had a fun conversation yep. with her. Yeah. And and I think that's what we kind of want to do is and, it's an escape for us. Yeah. And it's also a conversation about mental health for us. I always go into these nervous. Like I just – there's a part of me that's just like I don't really want to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I come here and I always leave feeling better. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's called my therapy. Yeah. Bookend. <laughs> uh follow us on social media uh at j dickey d-i-c-k-i-e uh, message me on facebook i'm available always uh i'm on twitter at the elvermeer t-h-e-l-v-e-r-m-e-e-r where i've said in previous episodes you can find me tweeting out this podcast and tweeting about william nylander but you can also find me tweeting out an announcement of the birth of my child so congrats again man thank you uh, just one last thing. If you're not subscribed to the podcast and if you've listened this far, I'd be shocked if you're not. But if you're not subscribed to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, just subscribe. So I don't have to keep saying it. I will keep saying it. but Yeah, just... we're not going to stop saying it because we're never going to have enough subscribers. Correct. I just, I just, it's just easier. It's a button. It's one button. Usually. Maybe you get notifications. Yeah. Isn't that what you want? You want to hear us every week. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. Thanks. Talk to you soon.